Kia ora, I'm Alexia Russell and today on The Detail... State Highway 1 over the Brindewan Hills, a vital road linking Northland to the rest of the country, will fully close while damage done during Cyclone Gabriel is repaired. It's an underslip in the road, whereas most of the times when you have an overslip you have dirt landing on the road which can be pushed out of the way. An underslip means the stability of the road itself. So it is vitally important that the work is being to be done. That work starts on Monday and trucks, tourists and travellers alike will have to take alternative routes. It's not ideal. At the end of the day, there is no best time to close a road. But as the country continues to be hit by fierce weather, the number of landslides wiping out key routes is only likely to increase. Is there a better way of fixing washed-out infrastructure? Well, yes. It's the early Christmas present Coromandel Peninsula businesses had at the very top of their wish list. State Highway 25A will reopen just in time for the summer holidays. A huge landslide caused by last summer's storms cut the road in two. But Waka Kotahi says a bridge to reconnect it will be completed by December the 20th, three months earlier than expected. We didn't have time to kind of get it wrong. They've put everything in place that they possibly could to get that site working 24-7. We've just thrown everything we needed to at this. And now some of the key people on that project are moving north. Yeah, the new bridge on State Highway 25 was a huge success. Obviously it was open uh, much earlier, uh, which is great, and all the credit's got to go to well, NZTA, of course, and to the teams that work there. Uh, and we're always testing ourselves, how can we do things you know, better? So we've taken the lessons learnt from that project and others that we've done throughout New Zealand to make sure we build that into the Bryn Doan's work. So as an example, that the project manager who worked on State Highway 25A, he's come up to the Bryn Doan, so he's actually leading that piece of work. So we're bringing all that knowledge and experience and the learnings that he had and applying it to this environment. That's Steve Mutton, who's NZTA's Director of Regional Relationships for Auckland and Northland, and we'll clock in with him later about working with Northland's tricky geography. But first, let's look at what was done well when it came to reconnecting the Coromandel's east coast. Infrastructure New Zealand's written a report on that, has presented it to the government, and is holding conferences in Auckland and Tauranga this month to share the findings with the construction industry. The report's in two parts. The second part, a calculation of how much the economy gained by cutting three months off the construction time. The uh, early reopening of the cyclone-ravaged State Highway 25A on the Coromandel Peninsula increased GDP in the region by almost $86 million. That is according to a new report. The accelerated opening also saw tourists return, spending an estimated $69 million that wouldn't otherwise have flowed into the economy. But we're going to look at the first part of that report that picked up on the planning, thinking and methods used that could help replicate the success on other projects. Some of its conclusions sound very familiar, such as the concept that value is about far more than just price. There's nothing earth-shattering in this report, but what is surprising is the fact that we know this stuff and we haven't seen the change. Nick Leggett is the CEO of Infrastructure New Zealand. He told me the report is a positive look at the things that went right. It's a good news story for the affected communities on the Coromandel. They said that when this road washed out in January 2023, it was worse than COVID. The impact was worse than COVID. So to reinstate uh, a key bit of infrastructure, which involved a bridge span replacing a road, in about 10 months, the usual project time was sort of 
18 to 24 months, that's, that's something that's worth highlighting. But when you dig a little bit deeper and you look under the bonnet, what you find is that there were some reasons for that. Some of those reasons boiled down to getting everyone involved, committed to the job. Some were down to emergency planning powers. The tender process was lightning fast and council consents were applied for after the work was done. An independent construction verifier was on the site to make sure everything was done properly. But other gains were more specific. For example, the job needed steel plate for bridge beams. Some had been imported for a project already in construction and they were readily available, so they were diverted for immediate use. The beams were replaced in time for the other project to continue on schedule. We felt that it was really important to tell the story, to show the economic benefit to the region of a faster delivery, but also actually, what would we be saying to the new government who have stated they want to deliver infrastructure faster and more efficiently? What are the key messages that we would uh, take out of this and, 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 and apply more generally across the country? And, you know, looking deeper under the bonnet, of course, in this case, literally meant clay and difficulties and that's the sort of project that you would usually associate with overruns and extra time isn't it? Yes it is and it's um, that's I think comes down to the planning so Waka Kotahi the New Zealand Transport Agency took time at the start to really understand what it is they were needing and engage those infrastructure partners to get the thinking and the planning right. They were obviously aided by some emergency powers, by some consenting. Everything flowed in the right direction, including community and iwi support, which was vital. But think taking that time at the start to plan, the catchphrase of the moment is think slow, act fast. That's also the advice of an Oxford University expert on megaprojects who's done a study of more than 3,000 big jobs worldwide. He found that only 27% were delivered on budget, 3% on budget and on time, and just 0.2% met those requirements and were of the quality expected. This is a project that was delivered early and on budget, and we've got the the, the benefit of, in terms of the economic activity that it's it's allowed the community over the summer um, to really show that it's important to get this stuff right and that New Zealand can do it when it works together. So when you say think slow, act fast, that's like measure twice, cut once, right? That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I've noticed in this report that a lot of the things you've mentioned are things that people in the infrastructure business have been saying for many, many years, key among them is that we have to stop thinking that money is the all-important thing. Can you go through what you discovered there? Yes, yes. We're a small country and we don't have massive markets you know, in any part of our economy. And that goes for consulting and construction, which are the two key elements um, that, that built this bridge. What we have to do, and if you think about a project like Transmission Gully, it was all about that original dollar price that was put on the project, which was, in retrospect, not enough. A highway that's blown budgets, deadlines and tested the patience of a region. But it got the project over the hump 
and we got it built. And unfortunately, now there are ongoing issues uh, and wrangling uh, over that. In the past two weeks, major repairs had to be done to resurface flawed chip seal. It just means that that road will start to destabilise potentially and there'll be a lot of maintenance work all redone and it won't be cheap. But too often we're, we're price driven and that creates a race to the bottom. It forces unhealthy competition, people cut corners, um, they shave things off here and there and we don't end up with the great product. And if you think about the life of a piece of infrastructure, be it a pipe in the ground or a bridge, if we invest up front and we can extend the life of that bit of infrastructure, say 100 years, say we can add 20 years onto the end by an initial investment, shouldn't we be doing that? We're too quick in New Zealand to get the thing in and get it done. And then we wonder why pavements on roads mm. you know, don't perform, um, why things don't last as long. So we've got to consider value as being far more than price. So longevity should be part of that equation. Exactly. And the way we plan is part of that value. So the early consideration by the client, which is Waka Kotahi, the transport agency, taking the time to plan, think about who they needed in the room to plan and procure and then deliver, that consideration led to our bridge being opened or a piece of highway being opened three months earlier than intended, before the peak summer season, adding an estimated $85 million to that local economy. So you know, it was able to, those, those towns on the other side of the Coromandel Peninsula had a much easier connection in terms of State Highway 25A. And that's how we need to think about the way we plan infrastructure. We want government, as a procurer of, of our infrastructure projects, to be more disciplined and better at it. And often the pressures on government are created by an over-politicisation of infrastructure, so we turn it into a public debate when perhaps it shouldn't be. Auckland Light Rail is one of many Labour Party projects on the chopping block under the incoming national government. The new government has announced it will scrap the $16 billion Lake Onslow pumped hydro scheme. When Aucklanders first heard the word Skypath, it was meant to be a dinky little privately funded clip-on to the Harbour Bridge that wouldn't cost taxpayers a cent. But then the politicians got involved. And, you know, obviously by very genuine community pressures, but we do, we do need to step back. And so part of telling the story is to let all of the communities around the country know that we can do this stuff better, we can engage earlier, get better value, um, but it is about patience and perhaps a bit of a new attitude for all of us to be adopting. So um, we understand how things are built and, and the best way to go about that. The Taparahi Bridge was helped by emergency legislation that meant fast-track consenting and approvals could be used. But Nick Leggett says we shouldn't have to wait for emergencies to get things done quickly without compromising on design or quality. When we think about other infrastructure, you know, some of the big, bigger project challenges that New Zealand has, some of the roading and other uh, infrastructure that will be coming on track over the next few years, Let's think about the principles of the approach that we want politicians as guarders of the public purse to be taking and driving through the public and private systems to, to get better delivery. I don't, I don't think it's understood. You know, we, we've, got, we've had projects cancelled uh, by the government in the last couple of months. Now, 
this is not a, a view about whether those are the right or the wrong decisions. But the reality is there are many hundreds of people that have been working in the background on those projects that, that won't have work. The question for them and their employers in the infrastructure industry is, where do they go now? Because what's the horizon? And there isn't much of a horizon. And that isn't actually this government's fault. It's, it's, about, it's about the way we do things in New Zealand and the... Um, and we don't provide that that forward focus enough. Weren't we supposed to have a group that was set up to do this, an infrastructure group that was separate from any politicians, politics, decide on the project, move it over to this group, and then get that timeline going? What happened? Well, to the that? infrastructure commission is definitely fulfilling some of that mandate, and uh, my view is that their influence will grow. Uh, in the coming months, and that is so they provided the infrastructure strategy for New Zealand. Uh, they've got to present a, a willing and open government with a pipeline, and I think that will occur. The uh, National um, Act, New Zealand First Coalition Agreements, talk about the need for a national infrastructure agency. That is really centralising, from what I understand, centralising the system of infrastructure planning, procurement, funding and delivery across government and really getting some expertise embedded uh, and being a better client. So that's that's into the future. That'll be the next year or two. I, I think there have been advancements made uh, in, in some pockets of government, but to be honest, this needs work. And it's really around the government of the day understanding what its role is and understanding what it wants to deliver and what it needs from its own officials and advisors. And so once that clarity is established, and this is the this is the long-term challenge for New Zealand, it's ensuring that this government builds that, and I think they are pretty focused on that. It's ensuring that when the government changes, the legacy is not a couple of projects here and there. It's the system that can be then adopted by the next government rather than ripping everything apart. So we get that pipeline and that assurance, even when a government changes, we want to know that there's a much greater political agreement on the key projects. Otherwise, New Zealand suffers. And we've over-politicised some of what we do. We see these big swings between rail and road. The reality is we need both. We need a growing up political conversation about getting the right balance struck within our infrastructure pipeline and funding. So, will those lessons from the report make it north? Anyone who drives in Northland knows about the fragile state of the roads there, but last year's storms and cyclones really did a number on them, especially on the tight and twisty route through the Brindewan Hills. It was absolutely huge. It was incredibly huge. It's NZTA's Steve Mutton. It left um, significant damage in Northland, on local roads, on state highways. There were slips, there was flooding, there were dropouts on the roads, there were trees down. And uh, we we have to acknowledge the crews that worked tirelessly to get those networks back up and open. In terms of the Brindouans, it wasn't just one slip, it was multiple slips. And the multiple slips were large as well. Um, So it took the crews a long time to be able to clear that, to get the road open again. 
But, you know, the, these Brindoans are still vulnerable. You know, there's still movement in those hills. There's still risks there. So it's really important that, you know, once we've got the road open for people to use, because we had to reconnect the freight, we had to reconnect the communities. But we know it's still moving and it's vulnerable and we really need to do something to make sure that it doesn't close for a long term again. So the project you're working on now, the reason why the road is shut from Monday... What does that involve? Because that's not the long, long-term fix, is it? No, this is what we're calling a short to medium-term fix. So when the next cyclone comes through or the next weather event as we head into winter, what we don't want to happen is for the road to close for a long time again. So we're going in there, we're closing the road, we're going to be opening on the 13th of May, and during that time we're going to be doing significant amount of work to make sure that when the adverse weather comes through in the future, the road could only be closed for a very short time, rather than these big, long, weeks-type outages. So what, what does the work involve? I mean, building retaining walls or you know, putting those big nets up? What sort of work? So when the road closed during those storms, what we did was focused on uh, temporary work to make sure we could get the road open. Now we need to build it back to its previous levels of service, which is about making sure that it remains open. It's, it's a critical freight route north, it's critical for tourism, it's critical for people who live up there. So we need to make sure that it's resilient to the weather events that come through. So in terms of what we're doing is that we're closing the road. We are then actually going to go in with heavy machinery and we're going to be digging into the hillside to actually move the two lanes of road further into the hill. And what that means, it's going to create more space on the hill for keep, keep traffic away from the vulnerable edges on the, on the downslope sides. But it also means that if a slip happens in the future and material comes down the road, we can get our machinery up there and we can clear it quickly and it enables uh, people to reconnect over the Brindoons a lot quicker than it would have been otherwise. The Brindowins are, are very narrow, they're twisty and they're windy. And that means when a slip does come down, we have to close the road anyway to get our machinery up there. And they take all the space on the road to clear it, and that can take some days. Because it's limited space for us, it also takes longer for us to clear that slip as well. So by doing this work, by moving the road into the hillside and creating more space or a zone for us to bring equipment up, it means we can attack that a lot quicker. We get the road open a lot quicker uh, but it also means that uh, we can get more machinery up there as well. So there won't be extra lanes this is just going to be moving the road in? That's correct, so there's no additional lanes what we're doing is digging into the hillside, moving the two lanes further into the hillside to keep them away from the downward slopes. So that means that when there is an issue in the future, and, and there will be with slits coming down, we know it's vulnerable, you know, we know it's still moving that hillside. It just means that we will have the space to get in there quickly and to open up a lane as quickly as possible. And it might come to the fact that we can, because there's more space up there, it's a smaller slip, we might be able to operate one lane at a time uh, but it means that at least it's open for people to get through. And would the work have been possible without completely shutting the road? We couldn't do this if the road was open. It's very narrow, the Brindoans. We just physically can't get our machinery up there and keep a lane open. 
Look, it's a significant freight route, so there are some very large trucks that go back and forth over the Brindoons, and there's just physically not enough space to have our machinery, having some barriers to protect our workers, and to get the, the big trucks passed safely. So, you know, it's really important that we do this work quickly, um, so by shutting the road we're able to get very big machinery up there that can take the whole space of the road and get this work done as quickly as possible. And when you know that that ground's kind of unstable, it's you know clay, it's raining and falling down, how do you even dig into the, into the wall of the cliff without the rest of it coming down? We've got really experienced operators that work all over New Zealand and, and we've got some really great people working on this particular site and they're very experienced in this. So this is a perfect time to do it because the weather's been very, very good to us. Beautiful Northland weather, so the soil is dry. So it enables us to get in here and do this work a lot quicker. You physically can't do this work in the winter due to the fact that if it's wet, if it's you know, really sodden, it, it's too dangerous for our people to work in there. It's too dangerous for the equipment to be working on the mud because they slip and slide and you don't know how the hill's going to perform uh, when you start cutting into it. But doing it now is the perfect time. We've got the dry weather, we've got a good forecast in front of us, it's important we get in there and do it really quickly. So in terms of when you say we don't know how the hill's going to perform, how much homework can your experts do on predicting the behaviour of that cliff ahead of the work? Yeah, so we've worked with our specialists for a very long time and, and we've had our specialists have known the Brindoon Hills for a very long time. Uh, so we're using those same resources to make sure we bring that knowledge, uh, that experience around the Brindoons uh, into the work that we're doing. So yeah, we're very confident that we, that we have the right people, we have the right work methodology and we're going to get the right outcome at the end of the project. And I think, you know, it's... It's really important when you're looking at projects like this that you create a team that's really unified. They have that sense of purpose and passion about what they um, are needing to do. And we'll be bringing those learnings into this. We'll be bringing our planning learning. So what's important in jobs like this is make sure you have very detailed planning in place, that you've covered every scenario and you've got every base covered. And all those learnings around making sure you plan, 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 and then the build goes much smoother is what we we're bringing through to this. One of the big factors in planning the job was making sure people can still get through to the north. In terms of the Brindoons, the value to us is not only what we build, but how people experience it, that what's really going to matter. How do, you, how do you mean by that? So we've invested a lot of money into the detour routes. So while the Brindoons is closed, we've got three wonderful detour routes that we've invested a lot of time and money into to make sure that they are fit for purpose, that they are safe and they're efficient for people to use. So it's a good experience for them still travelling north. I mean, Northland's still open for business, so we want as many people to get up there as, as we can uh, during this time. So uh, by us investing into the detour routes, it's more than just the Brindoons. It's making sure the customer experience is good uh, while they have to go through this. Look, we, we do acknowledge that this closure has a significant impact on people and the communities, and especially businesses. You know, a lot of the businesses that um, utilise uh, freight or transport part of their businesses, they're going to incur additional costs you know, through time and they're going to uh, travel further distance. And we acknowledge that, but just want to reinforce that this work while we're doing now, we know that's going to give us a better outcome in the future. We will have less closures, so that's really important. 
Those detour routes, including the scenic road for tourists through Mangafai and heavy freight route through Dargaville that will add an hour to truck trips, are on NZTA's website. You're referring to this as a short to medium term. So, you know, we're talking five to ten years. And it's important that we look at the long-term options. There was a, a study done back in 2018 um, that wasn't completed at the time when the government priorities changed, which recommended some preferred options. So, so we've picked that business case up again. We're, we're going to be looking at that and testing it with the new data that we've got around you know, the cyclone data and how flooding performed during that time. Uh, We've also got um, some new options which the community has put forward as well that we're going to look at. So we're just waiting for funding to be allocated to that uh, and the new government uh, policy statement will be released by the new government shortly and that'll give us a lot of guidance and direction on what we need to do. That's it for today. The detail is supported by RNZ and NZ On Air. This episode was engineered by Phil Benj and produced by Gwen McClure and Davina Zimmer. Thanks to Nick Leggett and Steve Mutton. I'm Alexia Russell. Safe driving, everyone.